You're now tuned in to the Desire to Trade podcast, a show where we bring you the best figures of the trading world and teach you how you can become a successful trader. This is your host, Etienne Kret. here for student founder of Desire to Trade. Welcome to episode 91 of the Desire to Trade podcast. I'll keep this very short. I'm in a coffee shop slash bakery now in China, Guangzhou, and I wanted to introduce my guest for this episode of the podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewing Mike Tereshi, an entry trader who's kind of focused on grinding profit in the market on a daily basis. Mike had really, really great lesson to share about how he's doing it, what are the things he looks for in the market, and also it's kind of routine, everything surrounding his trading. And that interview has been really, really fascinating for me, and I got some takeaways from it. I'll wait at the end, and I'll show you guys cool things I got from this interview. So enjoy the interview, and I'll come back at the end with the takeaways. Mike Tedeschi, welcome on the podcast. How's it going today? It's going very well. Thanks. How are you? Uh, very good, very good. Thank you. So the first question we always ask a guest is, what is one quote that inspires you? So there's a lot of quotes that I really like, especially when it's related to the stock market itself. But there are a couple that I think really are a lot more important than any others. And I'll go with Jesse Livermore's quote that prices are never too high to begin buying or too low to begin selling. Love that. That's, that's like pure trend following, no? Correct. So tell us a little bit what you're doing these days exactly. I do a couple things. I am day trading as well as running a swing trade portfolio. And I run a day trade chat room as well as write a financial newsletter. And I do work one-on-one with uh, students on a coaching basis to help them develop a uh, trade plan that makes them consistent, profitable. And I really like dealing with the uh, emotional aspect of trading because you know, one of the biggest problems is not necessarily understanding the market, it's understanding yourself if you want to be a successful trader. So that is, uh, that's currently what I'm up to. Pretty interesting. Trade plan that, think, that makes sense consistent, right? So we'll talk about that Correct. a little bit more. But I just want to ask you first, how did you start to trade exactly? How did you come to trading in the first place? I mean, I've been trading for a decade. When I, uh, you know, first got started out, I, you know, did what the majority of people did. I took a, uh, you know, percentage of my income and, you know, put it away every single month. And, you know, I picked up companies that I knew, that I understood. And as time went on, I realized that you really could, if you did your research and you paid attention, could spot big movers before they happen. And I got to a point in my sales career that I just decided I didn't want to work for anybody else. I wanted to to take my ideas for the stock market, put them into play, and work for myself. And I've been doing that for uh, about the last six years. Nice, nice. And was it like a painless process? Or did you come through a couple of uh, mistakes and maybe failures and then went back up? Oh, it certainly wasn't a painless process. (laughs) (laughs) So explain a little bit Um, what that was. Yeah. I mean, if you pretty much talk to anybody that's successful at trading, they've all got their their horror stories, if you will, from the beginning where they didn't really realize how much risk they were taking on in a particular trade. They didn't have good risk management to begin with, or you know, maybe they got lucky out of the gate, thought that that was actually a uh, profitable strategy and continued to do that. And subsequently, the market structure changed and what was working wasn't working anymore. But at the end of the day, your failures are what ultimately make you successful if you learn from them. 
And part of the reason why I do what I do on the coaching and the teaching side is I was lucky enough to have enough capital uh, put away that I could blow up an entire account and still had money left to trade with. And that's not a luxury a lot of people have. So I want to kind of lay my mistakes out so that others don't have to make them. Just out of curiosity, was that on purpose not to blow up all your money in one account? Or did you just like blow up your money and then you realize you had more money to uh, trade after again? No, I, I mean, I knew I had more money outside. So, you know, I took a little bit more risk than maybe than I would have had I not had any additional capital on the sideline. But still, at the end of the day, you don't want to you know blow up an account. You don't want to lose that capital. And I did it not realizing what I was doing was a mistake. I took a level of risk that I didn't see as I was taking that much risk on when I did that. So, you know, if you ask me now, the three most important aspects of trading are risk management, risk management, and risk management. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much right. Yeah, yeah. Money that you uh, don't lose is more important than money that you actually make. You know, winners take care of themselves. This is the losers that, you know, you have to manage. And there's a lot of different ways to go about managing risk, but that is, that's the most important component to trading. If you want to be successful and you want to be around for a long run. Right, right. That's important. But I think sometimes over time, people get like this, they kind of develop this mindset that they don't want to lose money at all. That might be a problem sometimes. I don't know. Is this something you've experienced a little bit or no? Uh, yeah, that certainly is. Moving stops up way too tight to levels that don't make any sense on the chart because you want to you know, protect the tiny little amount that you've subsequently made already. That can cost you more money in the, uh, the long run. You know, in order to make money, you have to put money at risk, but it's just, a, it's how much you put at risk. Yeah. I talk to a lot of traders that are willing to put, you know, 50 to 100% of their capital into one individual name. Well, if something bad happens overnight in that company, you can take a 50% haircut and that you got to make 100% to get back to even on that. So it's about making every one of your plays at a level that if it goes against you, it's not going to hurt you. And that's something I don't see a lot of people doing because you know, they want to make those 20 and 30 and 40 and 50% portfolio gains, you know, in a week or two. But if you look at the successful traders, you know, they're making a percent, 2%, you know, and they're continuing to grind. And when they take a loss, it's a tiny loss. And, you know, that's not exciting. That's not fun. And a lot of people, you know, don't look at trading or investing as wealth creation. They kind of look at it like gambling, like they want to go to the, you know, the casino and put a thousand dollars down in a hand of blackjack and you know, that's not what's going to keep you around in the long run. You've got to keep your losses small and you've got to manage it so that you have enough capital that you can take, you know, a number of plays. So you think about it like this. If you're risking 10% of your portfolio on a trade, you know, you can get 10 trades wrong in a row and you're out of the game. And it is conceivable that you could flip a coin, heads or tails, right? You could flip heads 10 times in a row. But if you're risking 1% per trade idea in order to, to go bust, you would have to flip that same coin and it would have to come up heads 100 times in a row. Mm -hmm. The likelihood of that happening is so much less. So if you manage the amount of risk that you're taking so that every play you know, is a, a percent, half a percent type of risk in your portfolio, it is very, very difficult to lose all of your money. Yeah. And just that, I think is a big lesson most people don't even have. So it's really, really good. Yeah. Totally right. So what is your trading style today? And did that evolve over time? Or is it something you've done from the beginning? Uh, no, it certainly evolves over time. And it evolved, you know, based on the overall market conditions themselves. 
And you have to, you have to be able to adapt because what works in one particular market six months later may not work anymore. You know, there's really three markets that you have, an uptrend, a downtrend, and a sideways market. And they all need to have different play styles in order to be successful. So you have to adapt. There's a couple of different ways in which I trade. From a swing trading and more from an investing standpoint, there's a whole different set of rules. From a trading standpoint, intraday, day trading, I'm looking for a couple of key things. I'm looking for a breakout to a new high of the day from an ascending triangle with an increase in volume and RSI and MACD making a crossover at the same time. If I get those four things to happen at the same point in time, my likelihood for success on that trade is extremely high. And I see a lot of traders that will take suboptimal trade setups just because they're bored. They feel like because I'm a trader, I have to put a trade in every day. And that's not right. You don't have to do anything. In fact, some days there's no reason to do anything. And doing nothing can be the right play. So from a day trading perspective, I have a playbook that I go to. There's a couple of different setups in there. And then from a swing trade and investment standpoint, you know that's a mix of understanding where the overall market's at, where an individual sector is at in relation to the overall market, right? Is it outperforming? Is it underperforming? And then drilling down inside of that sector to you know the top names in that space, looking to find the leaders. Because uh, I think it's I think Jesse Livermore had said something along the lines of uh, if you can't make money on the leaders, you can't make money in the market. And that's really true. Like if you're spending your time focusing on the 52 week low list to make your buys, you're going to have a bad time. You know you should be looking for the leaders. The leaders are going to lead. The laggers are going to lag, and it's hard to to get a lagger to turn into a leader. So focus on quality, and you'll have a lot more success. So that's kind of putting them in alignment. So you take the trade that aligns with all the three factors, right? Which is pretty yeah. good. I think it's more reliable that way. Absolutely. The more ways you can get to the same answer, better. And what I mean by that is you know, if you're looking at a, an hourly chart, a daily chart, a weekly chart, and they're all saying the same thing, your rate of success is going to be much higher than if just the hourly chart was saying one thing and the daily and the weekly was saying something else. So if you get everything to line up, the likelihood of, of having success is much higher there. Love that. Love that. So tell us a little bit about trading plan and what that looks like for you. Is it like a plan you have on your desk or is it like a checklist or is it a mix of both? Oh, it, it's written out and every year I go through and, you know, I re, remake it. And it's, it's something I make uh, all of my students go through as well. When you're looking at trading, it's a business. Bottom line, you can't open a restaurant and not have thought about what's going to be on your menu. Because if you haven't thought about what's going to be on your menu, you don't know what to order. You don't know what type of chef to hire, etc. And it's the same thing in the stock market. If you don't have a business plan, if you don't have a game plan written down, how can you follow it? And then you find yourself taking trades that you shouldn't be taking, picking up you know, way too much in terms of position sizing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself facing a large loss and have no idea how to handle that. So for me, I mean, I have a game plan that is written down that lays out the different trade setups that I'm looking for intraday, what I'm looking for in terms of swing trades, and it's right there in front of me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I see like two problems that most people, I think, have with this. And the first one is going to be to make the plan. Like It seems like this big, overwhelming task that takes a lot of time. Is it like really taking a lot of time for you? Or is it something you've simplified enough that it's not that hard to create? It shouldn't be that hard to create. At least it shouldn't be that hard to create the framework for it, mm -hmm. right? So if you sit down, right, and you're going to open a new business, you do not need every single individual piece 
you know, every I dotted, every T crossed to be able to open that business. But you have to have a good structure behind it. And it shouldn't be that hard to actually set up a plan. I'm talking like taking an hour, right? I want to focus on X. And when I see X, I am going to react with Y. But if you can't take the time to put in the hard work behind what needs to be done in order to be successful, you're not going to be successful. So some people like to shy away from it because it is, it feels like work, right? I actually, oh man, I have to sit down and I have to think about what I need to accomplish. And then I've got to write down my goals and I don't want to do that. The reason I wanted to be a trader was because I didn't want to have to do any of this work. I just wanted to go and make money. And that's the wrong way to think about it. If you're going to treat trading like a hobby, it's going to pay you like a hobby. If you're going to treat it like a job, it'll pay you like a job. And you've got to take the time to get a business plan in place. And again, there are good examples out there on the internet of what trade plans are. You should be able to get a working framework down on paper in an hour or two. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty simple. I think it's like the basic of everything after. So then comes the part, I guess, of following the plan. And that's where I think the other part of people who made their plan are going to maybe fail a little bit. So what do you think is the biggest problem with this? And why do people fail to implement their plan? Well, human emotion certainly plays a giant role in that. I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it for you. So if you have a plan written down, but you don't follow it, there's a couple of things that you lack, one of which is discipline. And you've got to be disciplined in order to be successful in the stock market. If you're not disciplined, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're taking trades on a whim, you're not going to be successful. But there's the emotional component that happens as well. And this is one of the reasons why when people do paper trading versus real trading, their results will uh, vary wildly. Mm -hmm. When you're paper trading, you actually have nothing invested, right? You know, besides your, the time that, that you're, you're doing, but you don't have any capital invested. So you have nothing on the line. And it's much easier to follow your system because if you're wrong, oh, well. And if you're right, you know, it doesn't really make too much of a difference either, right? You're gaining a little bit of confidence off of it, but you have nothing to lose. And when you put your actual capital to work and you're watching the individual ticks happen, you pick that same key level that would have been successful on your paper trade, but on your real trade, you go, eh, I don't want to risk that much money or the stock starts to come back. So you move your stop up because you're like, oh, it's going to stop me out anyways. I should move my stop up so my loss is smaller. And you stop following your plan and you do it without thinking about it. You think you're doing the right thing, right? Oh, I'm going to minimize my loss on this. I'm going to move my stop up. That's a good thing. But when you go back and you look at it, that's actually costing you money in the long run because, again, you're not following your plan and you're putting your stop at a level that doesn't make any sense on the chart. And, you know, it's emotion driven. It's that fear and greed. The stock will go up and then your paper account, you would have sold it because it hit your target. But in your real account, you're like, oh, man, I'm up $5,000. If it keeps going, I'll be up 10 and you don't take your profit. So that fear and greed plays out and you've got to be disciplined enough to follow your plan. And have you found the ways that kind of help people do that? Because I know some people, like, they get it over time, but sometimes it takes a long time to kind of get that discipline down and really apply it. I don't have a blanket statement in terms of how to do that. It's an individual thing. All of us, we're our own unique individuals. So when I'm working with students, some people may need guidance in one way. Others will need it in another way. Well, you know, one person might be moving their stops up for one particular reason. Another person may be doing it for another reason. The best advice that I can give 
from a blanket statement is, is you have to understand why you yourself are doing that. And that can be difficult without having a conversation with somebody else. It's the reason why when you look at, you know, across the spectrum in terms of professional sports, you know, the, the leaders in this space almost all have coaches. And it's no different for trading. You need somebody to bounce your ideas off of and you need somebody there to be able to say, dude, what are you doing? You're breaking your rules sometimes. If you're an extremely disciplined individual, and there are certainly some of those out there, then you can take care of that problem yourself. But for a lot of people, you've got to find that underlying reason why you're doing X, Y, and Z to be able to overcome it. And sometimes it's very difficult just to be able to see that in yourself. And so, again, I recommend working with somebody, finding a support group, uh, other traders, discussing things, you know, to kind of be able to overcome those things. And they're easy to overcome, but you have to find what that problem is first. Yeah, I think once it becomes like a routine and you're kind of used to it, it's easier to be disciplined. But it's maybe like just this beginning task of like starting to get disciplined. That might be tough a little bit for some people, I think. Yeah. So like... And it comes from a couple of things too. So it's, it's not just discipline, but it's also not necessarily believing in your trade plan is another big piece of it. And that is something that, that goes away with time. So when you put your plan together, right... If you've taken a thousand trades and you know over a thousand trades you're going to be right 600 times, right? You've got confidence behind it. But when you're just getting started out and you've taken 10 trades, right? You could lose on 10 trades in a row and your plan could still be a successful plan, but you won't have that confidence with it. So as time goes on and you're more comfortable with your system and how it interacts with the market and the, you know, the success rate that you're going to see off of it, the discipline comes from it because you have that reinforcement. You know if you do this the right way over the long run, you'll make money. And in the beginning, when you're just kind of getting started, you may not necessarily have that confidence. And not having that confidence will cause you to make those mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty well said. And I think back to is where it has a lot of power too. Where, like when you back this, you have some stats and you know exactly, not exactly, but kind of what to expect a little bit. So is this something you've done a lot or just maybe not or a little bit? So backtesting systems, right? You can you can go in, you can play with software in terms of figuring that out. One of the things I don't like in terms of backtesting systems is, again, in the beginning of our conversation, we talked about three different types of markets, right? Being able to figure out how the market is, whether it's an uptrend, side, you know, sideways market or a downtrend, will ultimately have an effect on your trading results. So if you just go do a blanket backtest over the last, let's say, 10 years for a particular system, you may see results that are not going to be anywhere near what you'll actually get if you are paying attention to how the market is. And what I mean by that is if it's in an uptrend, then I'm implementing this system. If it's sideways, I'm implementing this system. When it's a downtrend, I'm implementing this system. So I see people with backtesting just go take a big chunk of time for their backtest and, oh, it's worked for the last five years. It's going to work successfully. Well, we've been in an uptrend for five years. What happens when you know we go sideways or the market pulls back, which, of course, is going to happen at some point in the future? How does my plan work then? And so backtesting is not something I'm super keen on. It has its place, but I wouldn't take the information you get from backtesting and go, it's the end all, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally right. Totally right. And once people start to make mistakes with their plan, because that's going to happen eventually, like at some point, what do you think is the best way for them to identify them and then correct them after? You have to keep a, a journal of your trades and focus on your losers more than your winners. If you have a winning trade, you don't really need to focus on it too much. It took care of itself, right? You learn more from your mistakes. You learn more from your losers. So for me, you know, every day I put together a video of the trades that I've taken 
that information goes out to members. But you know, it's a benefit for the members to see it, but it's a benefit for me as well because that is essentially my trade journal. I get to go back at the end of every day, look at the trades that I took, and I'll analyze them, right? If, if I make a mistake, and I do make mistakes, I'm a human being, we all make mistakes. When I'm going through at the end of the day in that video, I'm able to recognize what that mistake is and I'm able to, you know, sock that information away. And if you see yourself making the same type of mistake over and over again, then you know you have what I like to call a leak and you've got to find a way in which to plug that. So if you know you're doing one particular thing, you know, wrong over and over again, putting a giant post-it note, sticking it on your computer screen. So that the next time you go into a trade, you're thinking about that, you know, that will help you. So for everybody, whether it's making a video, whether it's writing the trades down, whether it's journaling, whatever the case may be at the end of every day. And yes, that's a part of the work, right? Some people don't want to actually put the effort in, but you have to. You have to go back and go, okay, this is what I saw when I was taking this trade. This is what happened. It didn't work. Here's why it didn't work. What can I take away from that? You need to suck that information away. The way I like to think about it is when you lose on a trade, you're paying tuition in the market, right? You don't want to pay for that same class over and over again. You only want to pay for that class once, <laughs> right? So take the information from that losing trade and learn from it so you don't make that mistake again. And I have to admit that those post-it notes have been really helpful for me in the past. Like putting a note on your computer or whatever to just remember something, it's really useful for whatever uh, trading mistake or like a habit you want to implement for trading or whatever, it really helps. Yep, it's right there. It's in front of you and you, know, you can't miss it. So it's a, it's a good tool. Yeah. What are some of the other tools you think are essential for trade or like not essential, but that you use maybe for trading? So, you know, I see a lot of people trying to get information off of news. They'll watch CNBC, they'll read Market Watch. They're, you know, trying to follow the news-driven cycle. And I would say that that is, is not a process that should really fit into your trading. By the time something is made it on TV, right, you can't really act on it. So even if it's, let's say, a, uh, you know, a merger piece of information, if you ever watch a chart on something that's news-driven, you know, maybe a stock's trading at 30, that piece of news comes out, it's trading at 34 in you know, 30 seconds. You can't capitalize off of that. Then it'll show up on the news. Right. And then you'll end up seeing the chart and it'll be at 34. And I watch people kind of chase those types of things. So, you know, when I'm looking at me, what's in my toolbox is good scanners, right? Where I can go through and I can set the parameters of what I'm looking for out of a stock. And then I make a watch list. And I've got that watch list that I look at on a regular basis. When a stock sets up off of that watch list in a way that looks good, I'll take that trade. So find your own plays. And even in my service, right, I share the trades that I take, but my service is not designed for people to, you know, just follow me. I don't want them to follow me. I want them to understand why I'm taking the trades so that they can find their own ideas, right? It's more important to figure out how to fish than be given a fish, right? You know, that's what's going to make you money in the long run. So, you know, what's in my toolbox is good scanners, discipline, a trade plan, and you know the ability to find my own ideas and figure out whether or not I should be taking the trade instead of if the news is telling me I should take the trade, which is what I see way too many people doing. Mm -hmm. Very important, yeah, yeah. And do you have any specific kind of platform you use, or is it just something that people can get for free? Or I like to use finviz.com. Okay. That's a really good one. It's free. You're able to go through and set up a bunch of different scanners. You can see a lot of charts you know, on the screen at the same time. You could drill through sectors, et cetera. 
you know, every most brokerage platforms have good tools themselves. I have both TD Ameritrade and Interactive Brokers. TD Ameritrade's Thinkorswim platform is fantastic. But if you trade with E-Trade or you trade with Robinhood or, you know, whoever you're trading with, you know, there's more than enough tools out there for free, you know, that you should be fine in order to figure out what you, you know, what you need to be successful. I think we've covered a lot, but is there any other mistake you see people make a lot, like the you coach or that you mentor? Like, what do they struggle the most with? People struggle the most with boredom. And that's going to oh, yeah, sound odd, one. but yeah. that is what I got to say is probably one of the biggest killers in terms of, of traders. And let's see, I think there's, uh, I think I had a quote pulled up from Jesse Livermore again. <laughs> I can't find it at the time, but he basically said something along the lines of there's no reason to go into the market, you know, on a regular basis and take trades. There's no reason to do it. And if you ever read his book, which is kind of like his autobiography, The Reminiscence of a Stock Operator, you'll notice that throughout the book, there are months of time where he just leaves New York and just goes to Florida and gets on a fishing boat and just sits out in the ocean because the market wasn't set up to take advantage for for his play style. And I see traders all the time just going, I got to make money every single day. And so they're placing trades that are suboptimal, right? Rather than waiting uh, for the right opportunity to strike, they're taking lower quality trades on a regular basis consistently. And they're taking tiny losses over and over and over and over again. And that's a problem. So you got to learn to be able to sit on your hands I think actually Warren Buffett had a pretty good quote as well, right? The stock market is a tool for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. If you can be more patient and you can sit back and really wait for those really good setups and strike when the opportunity fits your plan, you're going to be much more successful. All those tiny little trades that you're taking just to kill time, if you look back over the course of the year, it's costing you tons of money. And uh, you know that's something that's very difficult for people to get. They want to do something every day. They want to be trading, you know, and they don't know how to sit on their hands. And I think this is probably one of the uh, biggest thing I had to overcome, like this idea of not placing a, a trade that kind of looks like a good trade, but that is not really a good trade. I, it's hard to just stay away sometimes, but you, you have to learn it for, for sure. I found Jesse Livermore's quote, the desire for consistent action, irrespective of underlying conditions responsible for many losses in Wall Street, even among the professionals. Those who feel like they must take home money every day as though they were working for regular wages. And that's the thing. With the stock market, it's not like a normal job, right? We can go to work, we can put in our eight hours, and we can lose money, right? And we can go to work, and we can put in our eight hours, and nothing happens. So you got to look for the right opportunities, take advantage of them, and you can't look at the market as an ATM machine where you're going to go in every day and take money out of it. Mm-hmm. And that's something most people don't ever understand. Like, they just don't get that, like never. So it's funny. Yeah, I mean, there have been periods of time in my swing trade portfolio where I have sat in cash for three, four, five months in a row and not put a trade on because the market just doesn't give you the right conditions. And then the market gives you the right conditions and you attack. And you will make the lion's share of your yearly gains inside you know, a couple of week period of time in a lot of years. So the other thing about taking too many trades is when you take too many trades, they're not working out and the market's kind of chewing you up and you're taking little losses, little losses, little losses. It eats away at your confidence. So when the market conditions are right, you're not able to capitalize because you have that emotional pain from the last two months of taking all those tiny little losses. 
So doing nothing not only is good from a risk management standpoint, but it also keeps your confidence level up. It puts you in the emotional state to be able to take advantage when a really good setup comes along. And if you take all those little trades and you're just, you're hurting yourself in a number of different ways. Yeah, that's a really good advice, I think. And how do you find that kind of balance between the idea of not missing a trade, but not putting bad trade at the same time? Because like you don't want to miss your good trade when they come. It's like you cannot just walk away and come back three months later, you know? But you can't. And so the systems that we have in place now versus 20 years ago, I, I mean, it's amazing, right? I can go in and I can set up a ton of alerts. I can even set up buy orders, right? I could pick a stock and I could go, I want to own this stock if it goes over $80 a share. And if it's under $80 a share, I don't care what it's doing. I'm not interested in it. But if it gets over $80 a share, I love it. I could put an order in the market for $80 a share. And I don't ever have to look at that stock again, right? And I can actually even set it up as a bracket order, meaning I put a buy order in at 80, I put a stop order in at 75, and I put a sell order in at 90. So when I'm doing my research, I can pull up that stock. I can figure out where I want to own it, where I don't want to own it, and where I'd like to sell it. And I can put that trade in, and it can take four months before it triggers. And I don't ever have to look at it again if I've done my homework and I've done my research. So I don't think people take advantage enough of things like that. They'll watch that stock every day. Oh, man, is it going to get to 80? And then it'll get to 79.50 and they'll go, ah, it's close enough. And they'll buy it right at the worst opportunity and then it'll turn around and go down on them. We can set alerts up on anything and on everything. So you know, I want to only go long in the market if the S&P 500 is rising. So if the S&P takes out this number, then I'm going to be interested in these stocks. And you can set that up so that you may not do anything for two months, but then all of a sudden your alerts will go off and you'll, you know, you'll have good setups and you'll be able to take advantage of it. So take advantage of those alerts. Know where you want to own something. Know why you want to own something. And if it doesn't get to that level, don't take it. That's a great advice. And I think it's something I don't use enough of. I think I've used some alerts, but I don't know, somehow, no, I didn't use them enough, probably. So it's a good advice for sure. Yeah, I'll have days where no alerts will go off. And then, of course, in a week like this week, where we had a giant gap up on Monday, right? I've had alerts go off, you know, at the open on Monday, I had like 10 alerts go off. And I had three or four throughout the day on Monday, and the same thing again on Tuesday. So you know, the market basically traded in a sideways to slightly down range for two and a half months. It was very difficult trading inside that time frame. There certainly was a couple of key opportunities in there that you could have spotted in some select sectors. But for the most part, you know, we're just waiting for the good opportunity. And then boom, Monday comes and everything that you picked up on Monday, you know, for now we're at Wednesday is up nicely. So those are the opportunities that you have to capitalize on. And setting your alerts definitely does that. And I'll know that the day is probably not going to be a very good day if uh, you know we're 30 minutes into the trading session and none of my stocks have alerted. It's usually a good sign that you know it's not going to be very exciting. So you know, using those alerts can tell you not only when those stocks are ready, but just based on the amount of the alerts that go off can give you an understanding of the health of really what's going on. But I think what's important for people to understand is that those alerts don't mean that you run a computer place to trade. They just mean that you'll watch the stock more, right? And fi- try to find a setup on that. Right. So, you know, there's two things, right? So if I want to buy a stock at 80, I could set up that order like I was talking about where I would buy it at 80. Or maybe I want to see how it's reacting, you know, around 78 or 79. So maybe I'll set my alert at 79, knowing I'm only going to buy it if it goes over 80. But if it gets to that in that area, I want to take a look at it. So you can set alerts up to only trigger at the level where you would buy it, or you can set them a little bit in front so that you know you can pull that chart up and take a look at it. 
So a lot of times my alerts will be a little bit underneath. And if you're on my, uh, you know, my email list, you know, a stock that's trading at $98.9, you'll get an email from me that says, go long if it closes over 100. So it's just saying, pull this up, pay attention to it, because it's at that point where it could make that move. But if it doesn't get over 100, then it just goes into our watch list and we look at it until it does. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, pretty good. Any other advice you'd like to give for traders in general or anything you think is important that they learn or they hear? You know, the biggest piece that we really haven't talked about is just fight through it. And what I mean by that is nobody is successful right off of the bat. Um, if you go read works from you know famous traders, they all have periods, especially in the beginning of their career, where things are just not going as they would hope them to. And that makes sense, right? When you jump into trading, you're trading against all the other traders in the world. People that have been doing this for 30 and 40 years, you're trading against computers, you know, the different algorithms, et cetera. It's not easy off of the bat. There's so much that you need to learn. The difference between successful and unsuccessful traders is the successful traders made that pact to themselves in the beginning. I'm going to be successful at this. They manage their risk in the beginning so that the losses they take are tiny but they're learning along the way. And then when they start to see their plan actually playing out, you know, then they're increasing their position size and, and they're able to get successful. So when you're getting started, play small, learn, and know that you're going to make mistakes, know that you're going to lose money in the beginning. And that's a part of getting to where you want to go. It's just like going to college, right? You've got to pay your tuition, right? You don't just show up day one and you got your degree. You have to pay your tuition. You have to do your studying. And then, you know, through hard work over a couple of years, you ultimately get that degree. Trading is no difference. The tuition that we pay is to losses in the market. But if we don't put in the study, we don't put the time in in the evenings in terms of setting our scanners up and building our watch lists, et cetera, we're never going to be successful. So stick with it. You can certainly be successful. I think anybody can do this. But it is, again, it's a combination of managing your risk in the beginning so you still have capital left to trade when you finally get to that spot where you understand everything. It's figuring out what works for you. It's finding that discipline. And yeah. Love it. So how can people find you if they want to reach out to connect with you? Uh, they can find me on StockTwits or Twitter at MikeTE90. And they can check out my website at swingtradesetups.com. I'm super easy to get a hold of pretty much online all the time. So feel free to reach out, ask any questions that you want. And yeah. And what kind of goal do you have for the future, Mike? My goals for the future are continuing to make solid traders. Through my coaching, I have had a number of traders that are successful. They came to me, you know, Mike, I've lost 30% of my account in triple levered ETF. I don't know what to do. And, you know, two years later, that person is consistently making, you know, $500,000 a day in the stock market. And that's the job that they do you know, for their living. And that makes me more happy than money that I make trading. I like helping other people. So for me, in the future, I want to continue to do this, continue to grow my accounts through proper trading and continue to teach and help others. Because I certainly wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have a couple of mentors that I found along the way myself. So yeah, it's kind of a different game mentoring. So yeah, I like it. And what do you think is your main motivation for all this? You know, for my trading, it's, you know, it's money. <laughs> That's the motivation for everybody. But there's kind of an underlying component to it as well for me in terms of puzzles. Uh, if you know me, I love games. I love puzzles. You know, if I'm not in the stock market or teaching people, I am, I'm finding ways to occupy my mind, whether that's, you know, games of chess, etc. I like intrinsically thinking out how things work and 
you know, I used to, uh, to, to play poker professionally when I was in college. So that's kind of how my mindset is. So I love trading, not just from dollar perspective, but also from the intellectual perspective. And it's fantastic that I can get up every day. I go to work and I still learn something new almost every single day. There's just so much out there and it's a giant game. It's a giant puzzle. and I love solving it. It's great. So Mike, we have a question as a guest at the end of your podcast. If you could give only one piece of advice for traders in one sentence, what would that one sentence of advice be? Manage your risk. Manage your risk. I love it. I love it so much. So Mike, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thanks. That was it for the interview with Mike Tedeschi. I hope you guys enjoy it. One of the things that I'll definitely apply from this interview is this idea of using alerts. I've been saying it a couple of times, but I never really use alerts that much. So right after the interview, I place some alerts in my chart to know exactly what levels it trades. Because there's no way for me to be kind of afraid or to place any trade if there's no alert going on. So even on the days where I miss looking at the chart, I'll know if it's a, a good day or not based on the alerts. So I hope you guys got something of value. If you want to share it with other people, go on the Facebook group over at desiretotrade.com slash group. And I'll see you guys in the next episode of the Desire to Trade podcast. Thanks for listening to the Desire to Trade podcast. To get all the information on this show, free articles, and unique resources, make sure to check out www.desiretotrade.com and subscribe. Please leave us a review and let us know what you thought about the show. It's time to become the best trader you can be. See you next time.